University of Ottawa Faculty of Law is doing a production of Here in Town, the musical, a dystopian political satire and dark comedy. It's taking place on Thursday, March 5th and Friday, March 6th at 7.30 p.m. Where the University of Ottawa Alumni Auditorium, which is located in the University Center. The tickets are absolutely free at our general admission. Keep in mind that the doors open up at 6.45 p.m. To get your free ticket, find the Photon Productions people on Facebook. Or email them at photonproductions at gmail.com. You can even follow them on Twitter at FTX Productions. We, Rishi and I, are definitely excited for the show. We're looking forward to it. Bye, law students. For past, present, and future law students. Bringing you information to help your career. This is The Law School Show with Rishi and Chris. Coming to you live from the hallways of the University of Ottawa. This is Rishi and Chris. Rishi, what up, man? I'm doing great, man. I don't know if you have realized that you actually have a radio host voice. Well, when you spend this much time listening to yourself speak, I think you you develop a certain way of doing it. But uh, I guess that's good. That's good. Um, that's fantastic. We have a very exciting episode for you today. We got Mr. Dan Sirocco on the show. He is the senior legal counsel at the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Not only is he the senior legal counsel, but he's also an adjunct professor at Osgoode Hall Law School and co-director of IP Law and Technology Intensive Program. Yeah, definitely a very cool initiative there at Osgoode Hall. Uh, if you're a student, you're entertainment, you're interested in IP, entertainment, media, technology law, uh, the intensive program gives you the opportunity to have a theoretical learning component, but then also an 11-week externship where you get to apply that knowledge in a real-world business setting. Exactly. And this episode uh, really touched very close to my heart because we talked about Dragon's Den. <laughs> yeah, Rishi has a thing for the den, and uh, it was really cool to hear Dan talk about the show from a, from a legal perspective and what he does working with it on a regular basis. We also talk about exactly what it means to be a senior legal counsel at CBC. Yeah, and Dan also touches on his unique approach to career development. And what he does to stay motivated in his high-paced, high, uh, high-stress work environment. Yeah, but before we get to the episode, we have a couple quick announcements to make. The first one being that we launched our website. You can access it by going to thelawschoolshow.com. Leave some comments, interact with us, tell us what's good, what's bad, what you want to see different. But if you really want to help out The Law School Show and Rishi and I, just tell a friend about it. Spread the love, spread the value. Also, Chris and I listen to many different podcasts, and we try to pick up the best things that we find in those podcasts and bring it to the law school show. One thing we find is that we hate it when there's a lot of useless banter between a host and a guest. So we try and cut it down. We try and cut to the chase and give you the maximum value in the shortest amount of time. Exactly. And one other thing that we really enjoy are personal stories that guests share. So that is exactly what we try to do with our guests. We try to get as many personal stories as possible. And also keeping the interviews online with our uh, with our mission, which is giving you unencumbered access to career forwarding information by talking to professionals in the field who have lived the experiences that you might one day want to live yourself. Exactly. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Mr. Dan Sirocco. Enjoy. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I'm here with Dan and my man Rishi here on my left. How's everybody doing? Good. Excellent. So, Dan, can you tell us a bit about yourself without talking about law? 
Sure. That's a great question, by the way. Um, so I grew up in Toronto. Uh, my parents were originally from Italy, uh, so I'm a child of immigrants. Uh, grew up in East End of Toronto, sort of Danforth and Pape. Okay. Um, spent most of my summers actually in Italy, uh, which was a great experience, and, um, and went to York University and Osgood Hall. Fantastic. And then we're, and then it starts law, so I think that's where I stop now. <laughs> so let's let's get a general idea about your current role in at CBC uh, before we start going in your background. So can you just give us a brief description about your current role? What does it entail, and what do you actually do? Sure. Uh, so I'm currently senior legal counsel at CBC, uh, and I work primarily with the uh, revenue group. So what that means is I deal a lot with uh, licensing and distribution contracts and agreements. Um, so that's uh, licensing CBC content out to uh, third parties. Mm -hmm. uh, I also do a lot of work with the uh, documentary channel and um, sort of other files that I deal with that you might not think about when you think of CBC, but when you remember it's a crown corporation. Um, might be more evident. So I deal a lot with, for example, procurement and sort of general commercial law, uh, transactional type files. Fantastic. How does the work get on your desk? Where does it come from? So um, I think after a few years, and I think a lot of in-house counsel will tell you this, especially depending on the size of the organization, uh, you end up with, uh, you end up having relationships with certain uh business units that you work with, and they just call you. Um, I mean, we do technically have sort of a client list in-house where we sort of identify um, which group contacts which lawyer, and then you support those groups. Um, but after a while, I think once you have uh, once you've been somewhere long enough, people just end up calling you. And frankly, that's a great question. Half the time, I don't know how people found out to call me, so uh, sort of a mixed blessing, I think. Do you, do you work with a certain section of CBC in the sense it's TV, radio, or do you do it all? I uh, do it all, so it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily platform specific, so I do end up doing probably more digital work right now, and I don't know if that's just coincidental, um, but I'm also doing TV and radio uh, related files as well because it depends on how they maybe connect to the business units um, and, and I'm really connected mainly through the business units as well um, so they might come in that way as well. Are you managing a team? Pardon me? Are you managing a team? Uh, so we have uh, law clerks in the, in the department um, and we're pretty independent though so I think uh, it's not a very big team, at least not in the Toronto department. Um, so it's pretty lean and mean. That's <laughs> awesome. So what are what would you say are some of your biggest challenges in, in this current role that you have, and uh, how do you actually cope with them? Uh, I would think one of the biggest uh, challenges, and I suspect this would be a challenge for a lot of in-house counsel in a pretty large organization, is just... Um, making sure the right people know, one, what's going on, and, and, and two, what they should be, what they should know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens in a lot of law departments, especially the bigger organizations, is different groups or different business units come to you with a deal or an idea or an issue, and half the time you're 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 sort of at the hub and you have to connect other parties that might be affected that the original party may not have known about. So I think that's one challenge, just remembering, sort of being able to step back and, and keeping the big picture in mind so that you're connecting the right people. Yeah, so you really got to have a good global understanding of CBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, and I think... What everyone's doing. Yeah, and I think you're right. That's a good way to put it. Like, in order to, to be able to provide good, sort of efficient and, and, and smart advice, uh, you've got to know how everything is interconnected. Um, otherwise, what you thought was great advice might be great advice just for uh, one component or one business unit, but you've got to remember at the end of the day, you're advising the corporation and not any one particular person or one department, so you've got to remember to keep the big picture in mind. Right, so the challenge really becomes you identifying what groups or what individuals need what pieces of information um, as they pertain to what, what you're working on. Exactly. Order. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And on the other side, what are some things that you really enjoy about this role? Well, I enjoy a lot about uh, working here at CBC. Um, it, it's kind of it's great to work on, for example, a show if I'm working on Dragon's Den and being oh, able to fantastic. see the show. Pardon me? <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that show. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, being Looking at that show sort of from the legal side is, is a little different. I'm usually looped in if there's an issue where, so for example, sometimes we'll have contestants or participants or, who, who come on the show and they may not like how they were portrayed, and so they try and get off the show and you know they'll send demand letters and I might mm-hmm. have to deal with that. Um, but sort of the satisfying part is just seeing a finished product and, you know, watching it on TV or maybe working on the Olympics or currently I'm doing work for the Pan for Pan Am and just knowing the Pan Am games and then just knowing yeah. or seeing it, um, you know, is satisfying and rewarding. And I think that's one thing that unfortunately we as lawyers um, don't often get that satisfaction because I would say – you know, 80% of a lawyer's job is sort of in your head. And there, there isn't always a lot that you're producing that someone can see, right? Like, yeah. um, and I say that sometimes to, to friends, like a cabinet maker, for example, you know, they do a beautiful cabinet or a beautiful piece of furniture, and people can see it and admire the product. Uh, for lawyers, it's a little harder to be able to say, well, look at that great letter I wrote or that great contract yeah. I drafted. Like, who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. just uh-huh. not as much satisfaction uh, reading your, old, your own old factums it, over and over. Like, <laughs> exactly. God, my was tight there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I think, I guess that would be one of the satisfying parts about, about the job yeah. is to actually yeah. see that your work wow. and your ideas and your advice were incorporated and, and sort of, uh, are public and, and you see them on, on TV or in the newspapers or whatever. I mean, Doesn't it's a double-edged yeah. sword, actually, because the, <laughs> on the negative side, every little thing you do could be public as well, so that could be yeah. stressful sometimes. Right. 
So can I just ask you a question about Dragonstone quickly? Sure. <laughs> How long does it actually take uh, usually to close that deal after uh, after they do it on TV? So you mean if someone's accepted, so someone yeah. pitches and the Dragons say, great idea, we want to do yeah. a deal? And like what kind of, what percentage do you actually end up closing? Yeah, you know, in terms of percentage, that's a really good question because what happens is after the Dragons do a deal, um, it's sort of in their hands. So the CBC as a broadcaster isn't involved. So we don't get involved in terms of any stats, in terms of what deals actually happen. So the Dragons um, have their own lawyers? It, we do that kind of stuff. That's right. Dragons yeah. have their own lawyers. So if they, <laughs> what was that? Oh, we were just laughing at that. Uh, that yeah, that they point. have their own lawyers, but mainly for if they do a deal, like if they do a transaction. I'm sure we have the stats somewhere, but it's not something I have easily. Because yeah. um, generally, it doesn't really. It's not something we really get involved in. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're involved in sort of the the broadcast side of it, and obviously the licensing of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know how many deals actually have gone through, but I'm sure I could find that. If, if I'm sure that's posted online somewhere. Yeah, um, that would be but a yeah, that is a, It's an interesting question to see what uh, – because uh, a lot of them, after they do the deal, right, you only see the 30 seconds on TV, and then they do their due diligence, and that's really what they're yeah. looking yeah. after. And that's where the deals either succeed or fall apart. Yeah. yeah. What's the culture like at CBC? Um. So the culture is, it's funny, that's, um, that's one of those questions. When someone's been someplace for a while, it's hard to know what the culture is because it becomes so a part of you, I think. Um, yeah. But I, I guess you have a lot of, of passionate people who, who really believe in public broadcasting, and they're here because they believe in that. Um, and so... Yeah, it's a lot of passionate people who, who, you know, a lot of people might have come here not necessarily for the money because, again, it's a public broadcaster, so it's not going to pay what maybe some of the privates will pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it it uh, it attracts uh, people who really believe in sort of public service. Yeah. Nice. It's, it, it's, it's always impressive when you have an entity that can draw like-minded people into it because it, it yeah. doesn't. It's not as as common, in my perspective, anyway, on the private side. Um, yeah. Unless it's some kind of startup that that's really galvanizing people from from the ground up with like-minded views. But what are your hours like at uh, CBC? And if you don't want to be dead specific, more or less than uh, a private practice. Um. You know, it really depends on the time of year. So okay. if, for example, like during the Olympics last year, I was working much longer hours uh, than usual, um, mainly because I was often on call. Like I was on calls sometimes at 1 a.m. because of the time change. Wow. And we'd have to check sort of online infringements. Uh and so that was basically around the clock for a few weeks. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty predictable, uh, you know, it's sort of nine to six or whatever, yeah. uh, with the odd weekend, depending on what's coming down the pipeline. But uh, it's, uh, it's pretty predictable, I would say. I mean, you get the odd time and you've got to deal with issues. But uh, yeah. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. 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 
Coming up next, Mr. Dan Sirocco talks about his personal daily routine, how he stays efficient, exactly how he prioritizes decisions, and exactly how he stays motivated. Really good stuff. So Dan, you're you're involved in a lot of really cool things. You are a professor at well, adjunct professor at uh, Osgood at George Brown. You're currently the officer at Canadian Documentary Channel. You're on the editorial board member for uh, Just Magazine. So ha- along with having your role as the senior legal counsel at CBC, so having all of that, what do, when you wake up in the morning, is there something special you do so you're able to manage all of this? What does your morning routine look like? Um. My morning routine is pretty, uh, I imagine it's pretty basic. Uh, I get up, um, I sort of wish I'd gone to the gym, uh, <laughs> but, instead, but instead sort of rush and get to the office and grab a coffee on the way to work. Um, and, and that's sort of my morning. And then lunch comes around and I wish I'd gone to the gym. Um, <laughs> And I didn't. And then, uh, anyway, and then you go through your day. And, and uh, But, yeah, my mornings are pretty, uh, I would say, pretty standard, um, rushing around. And uh, not, I don't have any, yeah, I don't have any specific routine I can think of. I mean, yeah. Do you have, do you have the same thing for breakfast every day? Pardon me? The same what? Do you have the, the same thing for breakfast every day? No, no. It, it varies. It depends what I find that's sort of on the way. Um, but, you know, and it goes through, uh, you know, different periods. Like, I'm sure everybody, like, I'm sure you guys go through the, the occasional health kick and you, you have your, okay, I'm going to have a healthy breakfast today. And that kind of lasts yeah. for about a week. And then, you know, life kicks in. But, uh, and muffins yeah, are easier. So, yeah. uh, I probably eat a lot of bagels and peanut butter in the morning. As a, maybe as maybe that's, that's, maybe that's your, uh, that's my go-to. That's the key yeah. to your success. Yeah, that's <laughs> my go-to butter. breakfast, I think. Yeah, just <laughs> nice. peanut butter. And, I mean, it seems kind of like a ridiculous question, but what I'm getting at is that I feel like somebody in your position has to make a lot of decisions. And we have a, a finite amount of decision-making um, capability as human beings. So how do, you, how do you reduce decision fatigue and be prime when you really have to um, make a call on a tough, tough problem? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think the key for me is really um, learning to prioritize. And okay. you know, everyone's going to tell you that, but I, you know, it yeah. it's probably one of the most important things, probably in any career, but especially law. Yes, uh, what what you find is, especially when you're advising, uh, whether it's clients in private practice or multiple clients in-house, uh, for them, when they call you, it's the most important issue in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on your sort of to-do list, or maybe if you're in-house, sort of the company's priorities, it's not really that important. And sort of learning to prioritize that and, you know, managing expectations um, that to me is is what's going to be able to help keep your sanity. Um, because if you take on everybody's stresses, you, you're not going to be able to, I think, strategically make decisions and, and sort of thoughtfully 
make decisions and, and you know figure out what needs to be done. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah. what are some of the specific elements that you use to prioritize your work throughout the day? Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I'm addicted to my day calendar. So, yeah, uh, everything that needs to be done, uh, I put in there mainly because if I don't, uh, I have people sort of booking me in my calendar, and I don't necessarily uh, have time for that particular file. So, mm-hmm. uh, I manage my calendar pretty strictly. Um, and, you know, the usual, like, to-do lists and, and making sure that if I'm working with a team, like if I'm working with law clerks or other lawyers or anyone else, that, you know, there's a list and people know who's doing what because I find half the if, – if you're not sort of careful about that, you might inadvertently end up having people duplicate work and then you're just wasting time and being inefficient. Yeah, definitely. So you're so you've been working at CBC for quite some time now. What are some things that you do to keep yourself motivated? I can imagine that if you're doing the same thing over and over again on a weekly basis, after a while, it's hard to keep one motivated. Uh, what are some things that you actually uh, put in place for that? Um, I think, I think yeah, that's any job. But um, again, I think you know seeing the product on you know, the product of, of what you've done, either on TV or in the papers, is, is, is a nice uh, motivator. Um, dealing with different files, that keeps it interesting. I think if I were just doing one area of the business, that would definitely be boring. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, uh, and also remembering what you're doing this for, right? Like, again, uh, as a public broadcaster, knowing that you're, you know, here to enlighten, entertain, and inform, and that's straight out of the Broadcasting Act. Only only a nerdy lawyer would share that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just remembering that that's why you're you're doing what you're doing, I think, is, is the motivation sometimes that, uh, that you know, it's all you need. Would, would, would you say that also partaking in uh, all these other things that you do outside of just your regular work also helps with that? Yeah, and that's a good point. I think finding uh, finding things outside work uh, that might relate to work uh, right. is a good way to uh, stay motivated and, and sort of see things from a different perspective. That definitely makes you a better lawyer as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point. What are, um, is your job stressful? Um, I think, it, it. you know, there's moments where it can be stressful, but yeah. uh, I think – and. And you guys have have, uh, have summered, I think, both of you, right? Yeah, right. Right. So, so you guys probably have a good sense of of, of what it feels like. Um, but I think what happens is you. Uh, I'm not going to say you become desensitized, but you learn to know what to be stressed about. Um, so generally, yeah, it could be a stressful job, um, but you eventually learn that you can't be stressed out over everything, otherwise nothing will get done. So yeah. you just want to learn to figure out, uh, I'm not going to stress over that right now. I'm going to deal with this. And and yeah. then you just, you know, and that's how you end up managing. Nice. So do you have stuff that you do outside of work to manage your stress? Uh, well, I think about going to the gym a lot, like I said. Uh, <laughs> that's a workout. On no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> working your uh, brain muscles. <laughs> I think about working out all the time, so I'm in my mind, I'm in great shape. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what matters, right? Yeah, exactly. 
So, no, I guess seriously, I do try and get to the gym a few times yeah. a week just to do something physical because um, when you're in your head all day, it's uh, uh, it can get pretty boring and exhausting. So it's good to remind yourself that, you know, there's other things you could do. And, and I make an, a point, like I walk to work. Uh, it's about half an hour walk uh, to work and, and back home, and I find that's great. I either, you know, listen to music or, or podcast and, and just that yeah. time yeah. to separate work from from home is a good uh, is a good break and it's it's a nice it's a nice thing to do for me at least. So the law school show is on your podcast list, right? It's going to be now, yeah, because I've heard some of the other shows and it's great. Yeah. It's really good. And, and and just the fact that you don't have to commute. I mean, you, you do commute, but it's a walk when you get to you know be on your oh, own. Oh yeah, that, that yeah. My huge. last my last yeah. job, I drove. And uh, and it wasn't even a long drive. It was only about 20 to 30 minutes. And I found that I was just uh, not in as good a mood as I was when I then walked to work. So, you know what, maybe that's actually contributed to managing stress more than I realized. But Absolutely. Uh, I, mean, I found that that was a huge one for me in terms of quality of life. Like the, the closer the distance between um, my living room and my office, the better. Yeah. For sure. Coming up next, Mr. Dan Strockler talks about how he ended up at the CBC. His longtime interest in entertainment, including being part of the original Degrassi cast. <laughs> yeah, really interesting story there. And also just the beauty of serendipity in career development, staying open to outside influences. Here it is, guys. So in terms of your before you came to CBC, can you just map out your career from the time you wrote your bar exams to the time you got to CBC, what are some things that you got involved in? In terms of work or... Actually, exactly, yeah, just mapping out your career. Yeah, so I had articled at Hina Blakey yeah. um, and uh, I had a great time there but knew I wasn't going to be at a, at a large firm. Um, but it, it was great experience and it's something I would definitely recommend if anyone's ever debating whether, even if you don't want to do the big firm thing, mm -hmm. uh, it's good to see how it operates. Um, and then I went to a smaller corporate firm, then went to a boutique media and entertainment firm, and then went in-house to be a general counsel at uh, a company called Masterfile, which is a stock photo agency, yeah. and then went to, uh, to CBC. Did you elect to make all those moves, or was it more a, you know, a marriage of what you wanted versus what the market was dictating? Uh, well, I definitely knew I wanted to be in media and entertainment, uh, and I had actually summered at Alliance Atlantis before uh, mm -hmm. articles. Uh, so it, I knew I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, I don't know if everything was as deliberate as it may seem, though. I mean, uh, I sort of do believe in – I remember when we had uh, – at Osgood, uh, Professor Hogg was the dean at the time, and he gave yeah. the uh, graduation uh, speech. And one thing he mentioned was uh, serendipity and sort of just accepting uh, serendipity. And it kind of stuck with me. And serendipity is not really, to me, about fate or, or just you know blindly expecting some invisible hand to guide to guide you, but more like to me serendipity is is more like the scientist who's looking to find a cure for a disease doesn't find the cure that he thinks you know 
he or she was looking for, but had an open mind to be able to identify that maybe, you know, instead of curing this disease he or she was originally looking to cure, found mm-hmm. some other benefit, right? And uh, I think a bit of serendipity in career planning is a great is a great thing to have. So, sure, have a plan of where you'd like to be and what you want to do, but sort of keep an open mind or keep your periphery vision, you know, open to things that you may not have really thought of or anticipated, but for whatever reason is actually a great fit. Yeah. And I, I sort of feel that's uh, that's what happened to me, and, you know, it's been great. Nice. So having a career trajectory loosely set, but at the same time being malleable as you progress through that trajectory and staying open to outside influence that you might not thought had been on that trajectory initially kind of allows you to be um, to experience serendipitous outcomes. Yeah, I think so because <clears throat> I think, and, and that's the uh, the great and possible, you know, maybe strength and weakness of uh, lawyers and law students is you know yeah. you get a bunch of A-type personalities who are really driven. Um, I think sometimes we may forget to sort of look around us and say, oh wait, maybe there's another. Maybe there's another path here that is so obviously staring me in the face and I keep ignoring it, and it might actually be very positive. Um, So I think, you know, definitely have direction, definitely have ambition and all of that, but just keep an open mind for something that you may not have really thought of or or connections that you may have had that, uh, or friends or, or opportunities or experiences that may not have seems so obvious at first, but may in fact be a great, a great experience. Yeah, nice. So you mentioned that you wanted to, you were interested in entertainment media law, uh, and that's why, kind of how, what shaped your career path. When did you realize you were interested in that? Uh, So I think I was always interested in um, entertainment ever since I was a kid. Uh, I did some acting as a kid and sort of was exposed to it on that side sort of on the in front of camera side I guess and not yeah. behind the camera and uh, were you in thought, anything were you in anything that we would know uh, well I was part of the original uh, Degrassi cast actually no oh, uh, wow yeah the the original series not the next generation yeah so I was part of the uh, I was part of the repco so there was about 60 of us, and I did that for about four or five years. So, well, that's going to be worth a Google after this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So really, but but the reality is, like, I literally had a handful of lines throughout the years I was there. But uh, yes. uh, but I was part of the cast because they, you know, they had they had regulars in the classrooms, right? So they wanted to make sure there was continuity and consistency with uh, with the students there, and. Um, so I did that for years and loved it. It was, it was great. Missed a lot of school because mm-hmm. of it, so that was fun. Um, uh, but also, I think I also got credits for it, actually, in high school for co-op. So oh, uh, it kind of worked out, yeah. Um, so anyway, right from, you know, I was 14, I think, at the time. So I did that till I was about 18 mm-hmm. and went to university and, and knew that uh, I wanted to continue in the industry. But 
just not in front of the camera because I have a much better radio face than I do uh, <laughs> radio television face. face. So I thought, yeah, maybe maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> and and I guess that's when I knew that I was I was going to end up in that area at some point. Did or you know you wanted, wanted to? Yeah. Did you know you wanted to get into law? Um. Like now, I, I look back and say, "Well, yeah, I remember talking about it when I was in grade nine." Like, but you know, what, what did I know in grade nine or, or high school or, or university? Right? I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I didn't really know, frankly, until I got accepted. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you know, I enjoyed school and and I did well in school and had a good time and. I sort of just kept going. Um, and I remember one of my profs once saying that uh, a lot of students who end up in law school, um, you know, they're just pressing the snooze button of life. Like, they're not necessarily want to go and work yet, and they enjoy yeah. school. They're not really sure what they want to do. Um, maybe weren't interested in the maths and sciences, because that might have directed people to medicine or something like that. And so you've got people who want to keep uh, keep learning and they end up in law school. And I think there was a bit of that for me, but I mm-hmm. definitely I definitely knew that uh, uh, I thought it would be something I would enjoy. But like 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 I said earlier, you don't know until you're actually doing it yeah. um, whether you know what it actually is. I mean, you're probably in a better position, sort of, as people have just articled and and you did. Uh, law school. I mean, is it is it what you thought it would be? Um, for me, I mean, yeah. And it was. I thought it would be challenging intellectually. I thought I would learn specific skills, and I thought I would meet a lot of like-minded people. And I thought I would be in a scenario where I was challenged and where I could um, sort of also make my own challenges because you can get involved in so much and it's proved to be all those things. Um, right. you know, on the, on the flip side, I think it's a little bit too long. Um, I wish there was some more practical, this is how you, this is the business of law sort of mm-hmm. courses. Um, but yeah, on the whole, amazing. Yeah. I was, I was pretty surprised when I came here first term. I, I think I found it to be a, a bit more difficult than I than I had initially imagined uh, the amount of time that it required us to actually spend in the library and work. Uh, right. But at the end, but that at the end of it, I think the learning that came out of it and also kind of gave me a better idea in my mind where I wanted to take my own career. So it definitely was beneficial in that sense. What did you think? Uh, what did I think about the law school? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, it was. I found it actually. Definitely a lot of work, I mean, obviously, but I found it, to be honest, a little more boring than what I thought it was going to be. I know a lot of people say that as well, so it probably wasn't only my experience. But, um, yeah, there there was sort of, uh, you're craving a more practical application, I think, and in law school, you end up doing a lot more student, sort of like, what appears to be theory, even though it is law, so it actually has application, but uh, it still doesn't feel uh, as practical as you would think, and certainly not yeah. like in the TV shows that we're sort of bombarded with on how you know what lawyers do, which is 
which is always quite comical to me when I see it on TV. But anyway, <laughs> um, like I'm still waiting for the day someone walks into a courtroom with, you know, the smoking gun evidence and surprise witness. And I'm like, that would never happen. Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> No, that's true. I think I think a lot of our expectations, especially for a lot of people coming to law school, are shaped by the TV shows, and right. uh, they they come in and realize that uh, it might not be the same, uh, especially after first semester. Right. This sound lets you know that a sponsored message is coming up. Rishi and I want to be transparent with you guys and make it clear when a message is from a sponsor. Chris. We recently learned something new about financing your legal education. We definitely did. We learned about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, something I wish I had known about three years ago when I started law school. Yeah, man, it's a neat program and has some unique benefits. It comes as a package, which includes a line of credit, credit card, and a checking account. Yeah, and it actually pays your monthly line of credit interest automatically using the money in your line of credit. Takes care of the interest payments for you. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And one more reason for you to focus on your contracts reading. Or maybe where to go out this Friday night. <laughs> That's true. To learn more about the Scotia Professional Student Plan, contact Greg Moore at gregaa.moore at scotiabank.com. Or visit your local Scotiabank location where someone friendly will be happy to help you. Let's talk about maybe some opportunities that are available uh, in law school. Um, mm -hmm. For example, the tech intensive program at Osgoode Hall, things of that nature um, that students can get involved in to identify what they like or what they don't. Right. So you're right. So Osgood has a program. It's the uh, IP and technology intensive program. It was started by uh, Professor D'Agostino there at uh, Osgood, And um, that I think is a great program, and uh, and not only because I'm involved in it actually, but <laughs> a great program because it does give students an opportunity to uh, work with uh, a company, or uh, whether it's a, a tech company or a media company or something that deals with IP. And it's it's an 11-week intensive program, and it's just a great experience for for students to see what it means to work as a lawyer either, you know, in, in different types of companies. And um, Very cool. It would have been something that I wish I had, frankly, when I was back in, in law school. I think the only, during law school, the only opportunities we really have, I think, are sort of like what you guys have done, which is the summer law, uh, summer law student, which is a great yeah. experience as well, uh, and then articling. But uh, I think uh, these intensive programs, uh, I know Osgood does a couple of them, and I'm sure other law schools have them as well. Uh, it's a great way to figure out uh, whether you're going to enjoy doing that work. Mm -hmm. uh, when, does it, uh, when does it take place? Is it during a semester or is it a summer or a time thing? It's during the semester. So at Osgood, it starts, you've got two weeks of uh, classes where you have different speakers come in uh, who present on different areas of intellectual property. And mm -hmm. then for the remainder of the uh, term of the semester, you, uh, you work at a company every day, sort of nine to five or whatever the hours are. And uh, and then you write, uh, I think you write a small paper and a major paper and you do a presentation and that's your, that's like the equivalent of a full course load for a term. I would have done that in a heartbeat. Yeah. No question. Yeah, yeah it's, and, uh, it's a really smart program. I think 
you know, they've done it for years now at Osgood. Students seem to love it. Uh, the placement, sort of the, the companies that participate love it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a great hands-on experience. What else, you know, if, if not programs like that, what else can students do to try and start to shape that career trajectory we were talking about? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I would be that obsessed about it. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm sure I was as well. I'm sure all law students are, you know, like I said, you get the A-type personalities who want to yeah. end up wherever they want to end up. It seems important for us now. I guess exactly. that's what we're asking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It seems important. And it is important. I don't mean to minimize it. But uh, I would not discount sort of entirely different experiences that you could maybe relate to law, but don't have to be law, mainly mm-hmm. because you might be doing law for decades. So you might as well take an opportunity to do something maybe that you didn't want, that you didn't think you'd, you know, have a chance to do, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially up until sort of like third year, um, I would I would try different things. So, um, and I'm not even sure what that would be because it would depend on your interests. But uh, uh, I think you know when I when I'm looking at resumes, for example, if I'm hiring uh, a lawyer, you know I I find it just more interesting to to see that people have done different things. Um, yeah. Uh, so so I would not discount. Um, other experiences that you may be interested in, especially, like I said, if you can connect it to uh, the work that you want to do. So if if you want to do litigation, for example, and you want to litigate in a certain industry, maybe working in that industry instead of litigating first, you know, as a summer job, might be an interesting way to, you know, complement what you ultimately want to do, but yeah. still do something, you know, a little different. Yeah, yeah. It would really build out your perspective, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Think so mm, that's nice so for so you also do a couple of uh well you, well, you teach at osgood as well as uh, george brown college what really drives you to teaching um i definitely enjoy it that's that's one okay. thing and from a practical i think maybe more selfish perspective um it's really taught me to uh, be able to explain complicated issues uh, for example, if, if I have to explain something complicated or long and boring to a client or someone that I'm working with, mm-hmm. uh, teaching has sort of helped train me to break it down and yeah. make it easier to understand and sort of cut to the chase. Um, so it's I, I found it very practical. Uh, and, and like I said, I do enjoy it. So I think it was just something that I was always interested in and, and just uh, kept it sort of in the background. Good. All right. Uh, we're not going to take up much more of your time. We've got one more question for you. So what's sure. what's next, Dan? What are you still striving for? Um, you know, that's a question I ask myself daily. <laughs> and, and don't say uh, get into the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get into the gym. That's one. That's actually a great way to end that. Yeah, get into the gym. Um uh, I'm not sure yet, only because I'm still having a great time here. So it, it's hard to um, sort of think, okay, where do I go next, next when you're having a great time? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think 
the jury's still out on that. But for now, I'm yeah. having a great time. And I think when it stops being a great time, uh, maybe it'll That's be the time to look elsewhere. And not because uh, there's anything wrong at any place that you're at at the time, but maybe you just need a new adventure. Um, oh. And so I'm not sure what my new adventure will be yet. Yeah. Yet, yet to be determined. So that's a good place to end it. Thanks a lot, Dan. We really appreciate you taking this time. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot. This is the Law School Show.